Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all? I hope that you are well, and I hope that whatever you're doing and wherever you are at the moment, that life is a little bit easier than before. And I know for sure that these are extremely testing times for all of us. But one thing that we must always do, as I always say, and I truly believe this with hand on heart, is that we mustn't lose faith. And ultimately, we mustn't lose faith in ourselves. Sometimes, you know, when we are amongst people, and it may be family or friends or colleagues, whoever it is, it's very difficult to remain oneself. And I know for myself as well through the years, one of the most important things that I found that granted me peace and still grants me peace in my life is to have the courage to stand up for what you believe in. Even if the whole world is saying to you, you know what, that's not the sun. But if you feel that is the sun, keep that in your heart. Because without that total and absolute trust in ourselves, we can be swayed this way and that way. And it is a very long journey called life in some respects. And yet in others, it's so short and it really matters who we spend our time with. So let us try to spend our time with people who vibrate and resonate with our essence and who bring something to our life. And obviously, in return, we will bring something good to their life. Now, today, I am really, really happy because I am welcoming back my guest who I've had on the show before. And it's the rather lovely and wonderful Caroline Gaskin. Now, Caroline is one of the UK's leading homeopaths. She is a health writer and wellness coach who provides natural medicine solutions for many conditions, which are especially needed in these times. And since the last episode where I had Caroline on, which was an amazing episode, I have to say it was Caroline, I call her my oracle because she knows so many things and I can ask her anything and she'll say, well, do this, 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 or you can find it there, there, there. So it's one of those people who are really important, I think, to have in life. And I have had 
such a good response from the listeners. You know, thank you so much for getting in contact. And one of the things that kept coming back up over and over again is that you wanted her back on the show because although Caroline talks about homeopathy, she talks about so many other things, you know, in life and gives different sort of advices and things. So I have listened to you all and brought her back again because Caroline is a fountain of knowledge and she has worked as a homeopath and a flower essence prescriber and a health coach for over 20 years in her London-based practice and has more recently added the online consultations for her clients, which are worldwide. Now, she also teaches at the UK's leading homeopathy colleges and supervises students and practitioners. Caroline welcomes all sorts of clients of all ages and has a clinic at Tri-Yoga, which is in Camden in London, and at Ainsworth Homeopathic Pharmacy in London who are actually the royal warrants, who hold the royal warrants of appointment to Her Majesty the Queen and His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales, because he also is an avid believer in homeopathy. Now, Caroline teaches and she has so much wisdom and knowledge that I would like really her to impart on you today. There is so much that we can learn from experts and there are so many experts out there, but really I believe that Caroline is one of those really natural healers that has so much time and care for others. Recently, Caroline has been published in a book called New Hot, Taking on the Menopause with Attitude and Style, and it's been written by Meg Matthews. She actually contributed two chapters to the book, which has already sold out on Amazon. It's been a phenomenal success. Not only that, she is also writing her own book, which is called Bird is the Word, and it's about bird watching and mental wellness, but it's so much more. It's so much more. It's not just about that. And that book is hopefully coming out early next year. So without further ado, the pleasure really is all mine. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much. That's such a lovely introduction. And, um, you know, it's always great to be in your company, really. Oh, thank you, Caroline. That's so kind of you, really. And it's an absolute joy to have you and always to talk to you because, as I said, you are such a knowledgeable lady. And I could ask you loads of things. I think I'm going to write a little book and then just write little things down. And then when we, each time that we speak, I'm going to ask you them because it's so important, isn't it, in these times to have somebody that really cares about people's health. It totally is. And um, I think that's something that we've all been feeling a little bit adrift with. Um, in terms of perhaps where we usually go to for our resources. And I, and I found that amongst clients. Um, and would you say that, that that's common, you know, in friends of yours as well? Yes, I would. Um, this is a very sensitive subject, actually, um, because I have been listening um, to my clients also, and I've been listening to friends and 
one of the main things that people at the moment are feeling in general is abandoned. Yes. And whether that be, without going into politics, whether that be from, you know, the powers that be, whether that be from their own circle of friends and family to health practitioners to the alternative health practitioner whoever it may be people feel disillusioned and this is why it was so important for you to come back on again they need some guidance they need help people need somebody who really genuinely cares about their well-being in the true sense you know caroline in the olden days they said that in china um, I'm talking of maybe two, three hundred years ago, they used to pay the practitioners while they were well. Yeah. When they became <laughs> ill is when they stopped paying because clearly they weren't doing their job. So I don't like to say that it's all about the money. Yes, yeah. But sadly, this is what's been the feedback for me, that yeah. there's nobody out there or it's very rare. yes. Yeah, I've certainly been encouraging um, colleagues, you know, the students that come to me for supervision to it's part, it's part of my practice anyway, to mm. communicate with the people that come to see you and not always to necessarily be looking too far beyond that, because if you build a good relationship with those people that do come to you that are in your your space and you, you know, you give information um, refer to you know maybe some studies as well refer to you might be talking about supplements you might be talking about a particular condition and looking at you know what can support that um, it, so it can be topical um, I might be you know at the moment I'm I'm talking about immune support for this winter you know what can we do to look after ourselves what can we do to encourage our immune systems to mm. function efficiently so that when we meet you know virus and bacteria um, or a challenge of any sort in our life, you know, um, then we we have the tools to respond and um, we are well equipped to respond, you know, because it's, you know, when it comes down to it, it's all information, you know, a, a virus or a bacteria comes along and it's a piece of information and it's about how we, how we respond to that, you know, and are we robust in ourselves? If we're feeling defeated, abandoned, downtrodden, then we are far more likely, and there's studies to show you this, we're far more likely to be susceptible to, you know, to something when it does come along. And, um, and that's of concern, you know, so not only are we entering into the autumn winter season, um, but how are we entering into that compared to last year? What's our equipment? You know, we're, we're in a very different setting now, six months into, you know, this whole conversation um, than we were last year at this time when we were just entering into another autumn winter, you know, and there's so much doubt about what much might, might be ahead. None of us know, um, it feels like, and yet we're not really looking at how it actually is for us. How is it for us today when we walk out? You know, what are our issues? Is there something there that can support us? And, you know, I'm finding that people are coming into the space, you know, the one-to-one -one space with me and often bringing so much more. You know, I might be the only person that they can talk to about how they're really feeling, that, that, that their group of people that they can talk to um, on, in a frank way. 
um, has diminished. You know, I would say that's very true for a lot of people. So there's more being brought to the table, I think, for the complementary practitioner. And an interesting fact um, that, that uh, a colleague of mine told me um, is that the searches for, he, he'd been doing some work, he's also a homeopath, mm-hmm. doing some work around um, Google searches for homeopathy. So I can't speak for complementary therapy as a whole because I haven't done these searches myself, but he said searches for homeopathy went up by 200% during this period of time. And searches for homeopaths near me went up 22% during this time. So what industry is right now saying it has an increase in in searches for it on Google, an increase in interest in it, you know, because people are a feeling that well, knowing that there isn't anybody to go to, that the doctor hasn't been available for a long period of time. People are withholding themselves with serious conditions from going into that space because they're frightened or, or in a very English way, this is very particular to English people, I think, we don't want to take somebody else's place, which is is potentially more needful than us. So many people are saying, oh, no, no, it's fine. I don't, I don't know. It's, I, w- I won't go in because somebody else might need my, my place. No, no, you've... Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's a particularly... Um, English conversation. Um, I can't speak as an Italian. I wish I could. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's very true. Very true. And I think people are bringing, you know, are are bringing more to that space. um, You know, and 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 in a way, wanting more from that space and feeling bewildered. You know, I've been doing throughout this. Earlier on in the year, I did um, a first aid course for. particularly for mums in my practice. So it was online in Zoom, uh, very traditionally quite difficult to get mums who are interested in learning more about um, health for their family, homeopathy for their family. Um, Difficult to get everybody together in a real place and time um, on a particular day because we have so many commitments, you know. So the Zoom space, Mm. the fact that people were furloughed and people were at home, suddenly we could do this course. And... um, and it was really interesting being in that space and seeing what um, people wanted and actually hearing how empowered people were through, through how, I think it was all women actually, um, how empowered everybody was from, from that space and able to then go and with more confidence um, help a child who was teething or you know, had a fever or a cold and, and I just love watching those ripples go out, you know, from that space. And two people from that space have said, I want to go on and study homeopathy, which is absolutely fantastic, you know. It is absolutely amazing, really. When you think about it, it's sort of awakened something within them. Mm, absolutely. And your, you know, your podcast, your is Aspire You, you know, and there is this, it was like, wow, people are feeling inspired and wanting to do something more with this um, mm. and that, and in fact that's what you said from the first podcast that people what kind of questions were people asking was there anything sort of specific that people picked up on that they wanted to know more about yes there were so many things actually mm-hmm. um, I've had a lot of women contact me mm-hmm. and one of the biggest things I've had a, well 
I'll give you a little list. <laughs> so, yes, there's a little list going on here that I that I've pre- prepared, and it's incredible, really, Caroline, how so many people have so many of the same issues and the same worries. Um, and I've put it all together for you. So one of the main things that women were saying to me is about how these really since February, March this year, when all of this began, one of the main things that has really played a part in their stress is that it's affected their hormones. And for example, their periods have been all over the place. Mm -hmm. Their emotions have been all over the place. And things that they had considered okay in life have suddenly become totally exaggerated. So there's no real balance and equilibrium in that. Mm -hmm. And they were asking what they can do, for example, why this is happening, because it's very scary for them. Fear was playing a large part in a lot of the questions. You know, what if I can't get to the doctor? What if I can't see the people that I usually see, like the, I don't know, the massage people, the reflexologists, whatever. What if I can't get an appointment with the optician? What if I can't do this? What can I do if I don't feel well? You know, it's it's total panic. Mm-hmm. And also about immune um issues for example what can we do to protect ourselves and take that power of our health back into our own hands Mm. Mm. these are the three really important points as well as the stress and the fear and how to deal with that you know and all these symptoms that suddenly were arising that they had thought were dormant for years you know whether that be anxiety or hormonal or whatever, it suddenly seemed to come up again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I think first, first off is, is good mm-hmm. to understand what, what happens under stress, you know, so, mm-hmm. so the body responds in a certain way to a stressor and that stressor could be, it could be the news from the box in the corner of the room, or it could be an environmental, you know, toxin or a potential allergen to us, or, or it could be a pathogen, you know, virus or bacteria. And basically we, we put into place certain mechanisms to deal with those. And there are some things which are commonalities, you know, so, so when we, when we meet a stressor, we, we start to pump out, part of the process is pumping out chemicals from the adrenal cortex. So, so the adrenals are two little organs that (laughs) when you look at a a biology drawing, I don't think anyone mentioned adrenals when I was looking at biological stuff. I didn't, you know, when I, when I, so when I started homeopathy, which was Mm. 25 years ago, I think. um, So yeah, started in 1996. Although I'd done a short course in 1992, uh, sorry, 94. And then I started studying properly on, on what we call a licentiate in 1996. And um, I don't think the adrenal glands or the thyroid were just ever mentioned. Um, and so we knew where the kidneys were. And basically you have, if you're lucky, <laughs> most of us <laughs> have one friend. I have, a, I have a few friends who only have one kidney. 
Um, mm. Usually we have two kidneys and they, they sit on the back of our waist. And so they're in what we call the, the small of our back in the back of our waist. Mm-hmm. And on top of those, when you look at the biological drawings, there's this little kind of hat that's draped over the top and that's the adrenal glands and they're quite tiny. Um, and um, the, the lungs, which, you know, control our breath obviously and that is like a pump inside our chest and we have these two big lungs that grow to their full capacity um during the years of um seven to fourteen yeah so the lungs mm-hmm. grow to that capacity um in a in in our youth until we turn seven and then seven to fourteen they grow to their full capacity our spine from our neck to the back of our waist grows in length and we grow taller. And for women, we might um, stop growing around the age of sort of 13, 14 and period start. And we often don't grow much in height beyond um, that age. We mm-hmm. might grow it. And that actually can cause us some issues if we grow in height beyond our period starting. I'll come back to that in, in a minute because it's a little bit sort of it's a specialized situation really mm-hmm. and then we grow so we grow taller in that part of the body and the lungs fill the the thorax um fully and they 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 anchor right into your clavicle your collarbone you know so so right up near the base of your throat and they they anchor in there and in the tops of your shoulders and then and then the bottom they anchor into this kidney adrenal gland area and, and an interesting fact that I only learned recently is that the vast majority of our lung tissue is on the back of our body, you know, and so we think really exactly we think of our breath, you know, as filling from the front and, and there is space in the front that we fill, but a lot of tissue is on the back and actually a lot of pathology, lung pathology, and by that I mean, you know, lumps and bumps and tumours and maybe worse cancers tend to be in the back of the lungs. And what that shows us is that we're not using the back of our lungs efficiently. So oh goodness. Exactly. So key to dealing with stress is actually learning to deal better, but it's to breathe better, but I'll, I'll come on to that in a little bit. But basically, if we think about the lungs, you know, going to the top of up there under the clavicle in our collarbones and then anchoring into our adrenal glands, kidney area, and we go into shock or trauma. And if any of you listening want to do this and you just go <gasps> and you, you, your lungs jump up. And if they stay jumped up in that place where you shallow. Ooh, I just did that you know, exactly. silently. And then you go, <gasps> That's what you do. Yeah. You're frightened or you're tense because mm. you're pumping oxygen in quickly and you're oxygenating yourself fast because when you are oxygenated fast like that, you think faster. The oxygen goes to the goes into the cells, you know, the you think faster to get away from that flight or fight situation. Now that shock could be an emotional shock. It could be, it could be a big bang next to you it could be a physical trauma to you it could be something that you live through like a traumatic experience and we've had waves of that you know particularly since we hear everything that's going on in the world you know we mm-hmm. feel the drama of tsunamis we feel the drama of earthquakes you know volcanoes going off etc and so uh, the way that the body operates is to go into this upper lung going <laughs> And the diaphragm, this big, thick band across the bottom of our lungs, tends to get stuck and stuck up in that space. And so what happens is the lungs kind of pull 
on the kidneys and the adrenals. You know, so some people urinate frequently when they're frightened, and that's because mm-hmm. the kidneys are literally being pulled on. Um, we might go into this tense state of pumping out, you know, cortisol from those adrenals to deal with the aggressor, but we can get stuck in that state if the breath and um, it doesn't return to normal and we don't return to a kind of normal balanced place. And we're so used, and this has been going on for the last six months, we're so used to being constantly triggered that we are in the space of, you know, fright, flight, panic disorder is going on. And what that means, Chinese medicine, Chinese medicine, we have kidneys, adrenals, ovaries, and gonads are all on what we call the same meridian, the same kind of energy um, line in the body. And this this is Chinese medicine. But the kidneys, adrenals, ovaries, and gonads, testes, are all the same area of the body. They're all related organs. And fear and anxiety affect those organs. And I've just explained you know, part of how they get affected. And when our energy is in that adrenal space of dealing with stressors, we just put the the um, ovaries and the gonads on the back burner. You know, we're just like, sorry, you've got to wait while I deal with this stress. And, and kind of in an easy to understand nutshell, that's why our periods go wonky in stressful times. And it's not uncommon in, in stress for women's so Let me understand this. So, and I understand the principles of the meridians in the body, but, but um, for people out there, Caroline, explain a little bit about, I mean, I know it's a whole vast subject, but about these meridians and how um, each yes. meridian corresponds to a part of the body or an organ of the body. Organ. Yeah. I'm first of all, I'll say I'm not a Chinese medicine practitioner. So beyond what I say, go and find out if it interests you. Yeah. Uh, go and see an acupuncturist, um, a, a Chinese medicine practitioner. They use a whole kind of um, a whole load of approaches. Um, it's not just acupuncture and it's not just herbs, but um, it's a whole way of looking at the human body and the and organs. Um, are paired in their action and they they have so so you might go to a Chinese practitioner and they say well it's all about the liver with you or it's all about the spleen or it's all about the kidneys um, and they and they or it may be heart for instance so they will be looking at which organ is shouting loudest um, and they will be working in areas of the body that relate to that organ and those areas of the body are on what we call meridians. So a little bit like any of you who've looked at astrology, I think of it as being like, um, you know, astronomy. And you look at um, stars in the sky and then they're joined up to make, you know, those ast- uh, those astrological figures. Um, so we, we see what's the uh, Orion. I always mm-hmm. see one I always see, you know, and the meridians are a little bit like joining up those those dots, you know, of the stars um, and the meridians join up points on the body um, that that uh, we can we can access through acupressure or acupuncture. And we might be working on somewhere around your ankle, for instance, um, that actually heals and balances the kidneys in their action. 
sort of that explains meridians, but I'm not, I'm not a Chinese medicine practitioner, but I use it as a really great point of reference. So mm. for instance, each organ in the body has times of the day when it is particularly active and times of the day when it should be resting. Um, each organ in the body has um, an expression in terms, an emotional expression. Um, and, and it also has emotions or situations that affect it. So, so kidneys, adrenals, ovaries, gonads, for instance, are particularly affected by fear and anxiety. So you can expect in a state of prolonged fear and anxiety for those organs to start to play up. So yes, period problems arise out of that. Um, and to give a completely different example, um, lungs are affected by grief. So we often talk about lungs as housing grief. And somebody who comes in to see me who's sad will often talk about stuff and they might sigh loudly. So it's like they've been holding on, holding on. And then they're like, oh, you know, or they might pop down their bags and sigh as they sit down into their chair. And I'm like, okay, what's going on in the lungs? What are you holding on to in terms of grief? Mm. Um, and what kind of emotional baggage do you need to put down and just let go of, basically? So, Caroline, yes, <laughs> thank you for that. That's, it's so interesting, you know. Mm. And so, for example, where we, I've had, as I said to you, lots of ladies, you know, contact me about this. Mm. If you're going to treat one specific area, because I know a friend of mine, she's always going to the toilet. You know, she mm. has to have a wee. Mm. Um, anything that happens, she has to go for a wee. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, she can't deal with it. It yeah. immediately hits that point. And then she'll just, we used to travel a lot together. And as soon as there was a stressful thing, she'd have to go to the toilet all the time, like 10 times in an hour. So my question is, I suppose, when you're dealing with women and their hormones and stress and the issues, especially with what's going on in the world. And as you said, this constant bombardment, mm. would you firstly, A, have to deal all the organs with all the organs on that meridian line, mm. um, strengthen them? Is that how it works? Um, it be, yeah. So just, let's just mm. take your friend who, who always needs the loo in, repeat yeah. stressful situation um ultimately she needs to learn to breathe more efficiently and when the lungs when she breathes more efficiently and does less panicky breath then the kidneys are less stressed and um she wouldn't she wouldn't need to pee so much so there's this relationship between organs um and then and there's a very physical relationship between the action of the lungs and the effect on the kidneys and so other things that, for instance, if you are stressed that you you could do um, and would really serve you would be more grounding practices. So making sure, I mean, an absolute one I love that I, I so rarely get time to do myself or make time. Let's not get time. Let's make time to do myself. Absolutely. Yes. Is the, the time in the day um, when the kidneys would love it. If you just took a little time out of your day is three o'clock in the afternoon. If you could lie down at three in the afternoon for 15 minutes and not look at your phone and just relax, um, maybe send some cute WhatsApp messages to friends that you know, 
you'd really like to chat to definitely mm-hmm. chat to work you know if we all just relax for 15 minutes at that time of the day um that that would go a long way to restoring some kidney energy and um if we walked in the park barefoot, if we spent time outside in nature, you know, digitally detoxing is important. I mean, that's why I'm writing the book, um, Bird is the Word, because it's all about how bird watching became very, well, it's trick. It, it comes from springboard is that bird watching became um, really important for me during menopause when all the other things that I did to ground myself, like yoga and meditation, just weren't working for me anymore. And I got into... Um, bird watching because I would immerse in the natural world and just lose all that worry, agitation, um, inability to deeply relax just through being in that space with the birds. So I found something that allowed me to deeply ground and reconnect to the earth, uh, reconnect to a mineral source. You know, we are of the earth. And a lot of what we do, a lot of this information that's flying around detaches us from the earth. We're also not very, to talk about it on a physical level, we're not very well minerally resourced these days. So the food that we eat is very minerally deficient, even if it's organic. It has nothing like the minerals in it that the food had in the 1930s. Mm. So, so, you know, there are, there are some statistics that I, I use because I kind of remember them easily. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, if we look at the statistics um, of, and I'm not saying you all need to go out and eat meat at all, but if we look at the statistics of the minerals that meat has in it now compared to what it had in it in the 1930s, it's as much as 60% deficient. So where are we getting those minerals from? And the answer is we're not. We're not getting those minerals. And when we don't have those minerals in our system, we we become ungrounded. We become disconnected from the earth. You know, the earth is rich in minerals. We become disconnected from it if if we're not, you know, if if we don't have a mineral rich state. So, so, you know, grounding practices help us draw up minerals from the earth. You know, a practice, this is one that's really old school that I love and, and virtually anybody can do this. So, mm-hmm. so um, it's difficult in a, in, a, in a podcast situation to be too prescriptive, but if you can get hold of some Epsom salts, you know, and do your research online as to where to get them at the lowest cost, because um, Epsom salts are Epsom salts. Don't get the garden ones um, from the garden centre. Go and buy them that, you know, humans can use to bake. Okay, okay. Um, I'll just say that. Um, but and what do they do, the Epsom salts, Epsom Caroline? Oh, fantastic. So, so you want to put them in the bath. You want to be using a kilo of Epsom salts a week. So whether you have one bath in one kilo or four baths in 250 grams you know you might need to do your maths you can't really overdose on it it's not um you know if you sort of suddenly found you were having using a kilo and a half a week you know it's Mm. nothing really is going to happen it's um we really need you know 80 percent of us at least and this is an old statistic are deficient in magnesium so so what the epsom salts are is magnesium sulfate and when we bathe in in an epsom salt solution we absorb that magnesium really well through the skin we actually absorb it so well through the skin compared to taking it orally many many clients are taking oral supplements um as pills um, Mm -hmm. 
powder and they are not absorbing it well. We absorb it well through the skin. Um, and there's a couple of sprays that we can use. We can use a magnesium spray oil. And basically what happens when you get magnesium into your system is it helps you draw up calcium, potassium and phosphorus. It helps women in particular um, balance their blood sugar. And when the blood sugar is balanced, we feel safe and we make progesterone, which is our feel good hormone. So many of us at the moment are feeling unsafe, feeling anxious, get into an Epsom salt bath with 250, 500 grams of Epsom salts, bathe for 20 minutes. Um, and How many times a week, Caroline? Well, you want to think about using a kilo of Epsom salts a week. And what about if you haven't got a bath for people who don't have a bath? Yes. I have a friend who bought a huge kind of plastic tub and puts it in the bottom of her shower. Um, So she has a kind of what you call a hip bath. Um, But you can make you can make um, a foot bath up. So you could do a 20 minute foot bath. So you just got a washing up bowl with a nice strong solution. Would that work as well? Um, yeah great I get elderly clients to do it I get clients who don't have a bath to do it yeah absolutely really nice and so that will that will allow you to draw up minerals that make strong bones um calcium and phosphorus um water so a kilo a week um a week maybe what twice a week yeah so if you'd had it twice a week you'd be using 500 grams Twice yeah. yeah. And what, in warm water, if you yeah. haven't got a bath or if you have? Yeah, warm water, lovely hot bath. And if you're, if you're menopausal and you don't fancy a hot bath, um, it doesn't have to be a hot bath. It can be a cooler bath. You can do that at the beginning of the day. Um, you can do it at the end of the day. Choose a time that suits you. Um, if you're looking to, if your sleep's affected, you know, which it can be under stress and you're finding it difficult to fall asleep, an Epsom salt bath in the evening can be really good. Um, the other Do people th- drink this stuff? It, you can drink it as part of a particular cleanse, but I do not advise doing that. Mm. Really. Yeah. Please, if you want to do, it's called a liver gallbladder flush. If you want to do it, get some good advice from a naturopath as how to yeah. Don't go out drinking Epsom salts. Yeah, I've heard of people doing that and being quite sick from it, um, vomiting. So that's one of the things that I I, I did have to mention, actually. Totally, yeah. We do not drink them um, unless we're under guidance of a a qualified naturopath. Yeah. That's the best thing to say on air because, you know, it's really important that we we are safe but bathing in epsom salts is is an old naturopathic practice and it is it's brilliant to calm you down and especially if you can't fall asleep and the other thing that i absolutely love that i mm-hmm. tell a lot of people to do is to brush your skin um do you know about this yes i've heard about that about brushing yes. um and but please you know share it with us because yes. i've heard of the body brushing and i've heard also of the dead sea salts and using that but i'll let you um tell us about it actually that's a really good point so so the magnesium sulfate or epsom salts are very low cost and that's also another reason why i like talking about them they're very readily available they're low cost and you know in the uk we can get them for as low cost as a pound a kilo really yeah exactly so i so i give um 
uh, it, I think it's epsomsalts.co.uk. Um, okay, that's handy to know. The address, but you, mm -hmm. yeah, you can find them for that cheap. Um, and so you've kind of almost got no excuse. <laughs> yes, yeah. But you can buy magnesium chloride salts, which are good, much more expensive. And I... We've, and what's the difference? Um, in a nutshell, not a lot. Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't really seen anything that says you must take for this condition magnesium chloride. Um, so I'd start with the Epsom salts. What I do think the Dead Sea salts and even the Himalayan salts um, can be very useful for in a bath, and that they also will help you draw up a lot of minerals, is if you've got itchy skin conditions. So if you've got, you know, um, eczema, psoriasis, itchy skin conditions, um, a salt bath can be very soothing. Um, and if you have those kind of things on a small area of your hand or your feet or your ankles, you again, mm -hmm. you can do a hand bath or a foot bath to bathe that particular part of you in a strong salt solution. And Dead Sea salts have gone out of vogue a little bit. Some people don't like to buy them. Um, and that's a slightly more political thing. Um, they are amazing. I, 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 I'm not going to say it on air, but, you know, I cured my own eczema. Um, ultimately by bathing my hand every day in dead sea salts and I had I had a terrible it wasn't really an eczema it was diagnosed as that but it was actually a contact dermatitis and I my oh. background which we might have said on the last um yes last uh, talk was I was a fine artist I was a textile fine artist mm. and we used to um go and um, we'd be dyeing fabric and so well, there was nothing to clean your hands with we'd use bleach uh -huh. so could we all recoil in shock you know we didn't have gloves <laughs> yes um, oh gosh yeah so so there were some gloves they sort of said there's, there's some gloves over there in the corner of the room that you can use but they were all kind of stuck together with the, the dye from the printing screens <laughs> so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, then we'd get this horrid stuff on our hands that we would we would use uh, if there wasn't um, a decent hand wash in the, mm. when invented in those days. We'd use the stuff we cleaned the silk screens with. It's called seri wash. Well, we stripped all the oils off our hands, basically, so that then, you know, along come the chemicals and bam, they're straight in your system and you've got a contact dermatitis. So, you know, I went to the doctor, had some had some cream, um, and which was a steroid cream, and it went away. Um, but you know, several years later, um, with with complementary medicine, I started to and homeopathy that that came out of my body. So I started to get the eczema back on my hand as it came, you know, something that was within me. It got pushed within me by the steroid cream, came mm. out, um, and and my hands were my hands were really really sore and rough. And that dead sea salt was just my savior. I mean, it just cleared up. It was amazing. And how long did it, it did it take? I know it depends on the individual, but. Yeah, initially it took me 20 minutes to get my hand in. They said bathe for 20 minutes. I think um, a herbalist told me to do it. He was a lovely, lovely guy called Andrew Chevalier. And um, he said, I want you to, he said, I think it's chemical. I want you to bathe your, the cause of it. And I want you to bathe your hand in um, dead sea salts. And it would take me 20 minutes because my hand was sore and raw to actually get my hand in that salt solution. I mean, it was, it was agony. But then I would get my hand out and it would feel completely blessed. And lo and behold, all the redness would just go. It was amazing. Remarkable. It, absolutely remarkable. remarkable. 
Absolutely. It's such a simple remedy, and who would yeah. be? Is he the same man that wrote the book? Because the name is familiar. Le Chevalier, he may have published. He was he mm. worked at the Healthy Living Centre when I first graduated. Yeah. Oh, I'd seen him many years before for this. I mean, many years before. And very mm. traditional, what we call a medical herbalist. So using English herbs in the main um, and um, or the European herbs. And um, and he were, he lived in Holt in Norfolk. And I don't know if he's still in practice, but he's a lovely, lovely man. And he was coming down to London and work one day a week. Um, but I saw him many years before. So I graduated in 2000 and it would have been, oh, 1987 that I went to see him. <laughs> Oh gosh, no, a long time ago. So, yeah. yeah, you know, so so the salts are amazing, and a Himalayan salt um, bath or Dead Sea salt bath will replenish all sorts of salts that your body is very good at absorbing through the skin. Um, and um, so, skin, and what else would you recommend, skin, Caroline? Skin brushing. We're just going to talk about. So, you yes, use, the skin brushing. And it's fantastic. You use a natural bristle brush. Uh-huh. and you use it dry you don't use it in the shower so before you get into the shower or before you get into the bath you brush your skin as if you were um, reverse grooming a horse or a dog you work from your extremities towards your heart so uh-huh. you put your hands towards your heart your feet towards your heart and you brush your whole body in long strokes and you start um, you want to and it has to be a natural bristle not synthetic um, uh-huh. and not too hard, you know, not that sort of thing you scrub the floor with. You can you can get a, a body brush from, you know, in the UK. They're a strange sensation though, aren't they? They are, um, at first. Yes, but you, as you get used to it, it oh, gets easier. It's gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. I first started to do it when I had eczema. I think the same, he possibly told me to do this. I can't remember who, mm. who told me this. And I used to call it legitimate scratching. <laughs> Yes, because that's not, that is not a funny situation, is it? You, it's yeah. like a sneaky scratch it's type of thing. Absolutely. Um, but mm-hmm. you feel so invigorated from it. And do that, honestly, do that every morning before a shower and then shower, you regular shower, wash, etc. And if you can finish with a cold shower, that is oh. amazing. The coldest water you've got, um, it's amazing for you. And you... I can guarantee you will scream and shout about that for the first week. <laughs> and then after that, you'll be like, can't wait. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is, that's for the brave. But there is that method, isn't there, mm. um, of using the cold water technique. Is it the Hoff method? Vim, Vim Hoff, yeah. He yes. says cold water immersion. Um, which, is, which is great, but I mean, you 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 need you know proper ice in the bath, and it needs to be really cold. Um, yeah, that, that's that's for the brave hearted, isn't it? Yes, I've done a bit of that. Um, have you? I certainly have friends who who swim in the ponds um, on Hampstead Heath year round. Um, you know, because it is it is very strengthening for your um, your whole system, and you should find your immunities boosted. So, so during menopause, so on the other side of menopause, and um, during menopause, I found out my thyroid was low, and I didn't want to take uh, thyroxine, which is a synthetic thyroid. Um, so many people are now 
actually on that medication of yeah. all sorts of ages that I know. But there was a whole thing. Um, I know that there's so many different thoughts on this, but that it's sort of called the thyroxine nation. But mm-hmm. there are other ways to deal with this, aren't there? There are. And you need to, if you're on thyroxine and you're listening, you do need um, support in coming off it and finding um, yeah. really great alternatives. It has to work. You need to do it very gently. And I'm, I'm just going to say that first of all. But if you know you have low thyroid and it's come up on your on your bloods, then you really do need to do something about it. If you know you're low thyroid, you're hypo, under-functioning thyroid symptoms mm-hmm. and you're thinking mm, I've got a low thyroid you know you've been reading and these would be things like being chilly having a slow bowel usually so erring const- towards constipation mm-hmm. uh, being chilly being being your energy being very poor generally having sudden crashes of energy where you're just like absolutely wiped out um, for a few days and you think blimey what's going on mm. falling, falling hair um uh, this is one of the biggest things actually that um i can really say that i hear a lot about with people is the thyroid and one of the things that they complain about caroline is that they don't find the tests so reliable true yeah yeah the the best what is good for the thyroid i know there's the hypo Explain the different conditions. Yeah, exactly. There's hypo, which is underfunctioning, mm. and the vast majority of people who have thyroid problems suffer from an underfunctioning thyroid. And I'm I'm going to run through a few things that affect the thyroid. Mm-hmm. But a few people suffer from an overfunctioning thyroid where it's just whirring away, and and that's very different. So other things you get with a low thyroid um, would be um, dry skin, often a very dryness, and it might be you get patches of dry skin, particularly um, by the elbow, um, between on the elbow or from the elbow towards the wrist. So so that kind of low, below the elbow, if you like, and below the the knee at the front. Those would be common places where people got dry skin in those places. Um, I, I'd be like, oh, the thyroid's a bit low. Um, yeah. Sweating, odd sweating, where, where you know, the hands are, are just sweating hugely, or the feet are, or sort of sweats in odd places, can indicate thyroid, low thyroid. It's not, a, not a, it could indicate other stuff, but um, irregularities of the sweat, basically. Um, and feeling depressed, you know, feeling low. So many women would say, I feel low, I feel cold, my energy's ditches, you know, drops um, before my period. And I'd be like, ah, oh, how's the bowel? Bit slower. Mm-hmm. That's the thyroid beginning to show us that it's a bit low um, in its energy. And why? Because <laughs> like I said, you know, when I learned, I studied in, started in 1996, graduated in 2000. Um, the thyroid was not mentioned. I can honestly say it's not there in my notes. And when I began practice, I started to to learn more and more about the thyroid and the adrenal glands. Um, and they are related. The thyroid, the thalamus, which is in our brain, and the adrenal oh. glands, they all talk to each other, or they should talk to each other. Um, and they are often having a bit of an irregular conversation at the moment. So the things that affect the thyroid are fluoride. 
So we, we do have it in the water in some parts of the world and we do have it in um, our toothpaste. And there are plenty of studies that show the effect of fluoride on the glands. Um, and the thyroid is a gland, it sits in our neck. It's like a butterfly shaped or organ that's in our throat, behind our throat. And, mm -hmm. and it is flanked by parathyroids. So two, four, two on each side usually. Some people have five parathyroids. We have four, these tiny, tiny little glands that are, that, are, that are sort of attached to the thyroid, made of the same tissue, but do different stuff. Um, important point, because they're not really talked about enough and they should be. Uh -huh. um, but the thyroid is affected, as they are the parathyroids, by fluoride, by what I call waveform radiation. So, so 3G, 4G, 5G, EMR, the Earth's magnetic radiation itself has raised hugely in the last century. I mean, like massively. I don't mm. think that's to hand. Um, but we are exposed to more radiation than ever, and it does affect the thyroid. You know, the first thing they did when Chernobyl went off in, in Russia um, was they lined all the children up in, in um, Poland and gave them iodine because iodine helps to absorb radiation so that the thyroid didn't absorb the radiation and get damaged. Mm. So, so, um, so, so uh, radiation affects the thyroid. And the other thing that more recently we found, so this is, we're not even, haven't even talked about emotions that affect the thyroid. We'll do that. Yes, because I've seen also that... Yeah, because all this that's been going on mm. in the world mm -hmm. can't be any good for anything to do with our emotions, no. let alone on a physical level. And people are always now um, saying, I've got a thyroid issue, I've got a thyroid issue. And also, you know, right now, I mean, right now, people are tired. People are tired and exhausted and can yes. I mean, I, I challenge almost anybody listening to say, has a friend blown you out this week, you know, and said, I'm just too tired and exhausted, you know, um, yeah. you know, whatever time, you know, we, we're talking about in, in this, this is what's going on at the moment, you know, so, so, so the other, the other thing that affects the thyroid, so we've got fluoride, we've got, um, we've got radiation is something called glyphosate. And um, many people will talk about the relationship of gluten and the thyroid. So gluten is in their bread. Um, and for a long time, people have thought that the, the gluten is, is affecting the thyroid and people with thyroid issues shouldn't eat gluten. And, and that's true. But the, the problem with the gluten is that the flour before it's harvested is sprayed with something called glyphosate. Even organic, Caroline? No. So we must go organic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I have organic bread. Yeah. Um, I did have spelt bread, but yeah. I found that was organic because apparently it spelt is the only sort of um, grain that hasn't been modified, even though they say that it's organic, wheat is organic. Somewhere along the line, um, it has been altered in some way. Yeah. It's been hybridized and grown and mm. grown to, you know, we, we forget that... Um, our food is not always grown for its nutritional value. You know, our food, yeah. food might be grown um, because it, it, it's, they, they, they want to produce a sweeter flavor. So, so often women who are doing workshops with me, I'll say, go for, and this is, you know, to anyone who's got wonky hormones, is go for the small, um, dark, 
uh, berries. So anything from cherries and raspberries, black currants, um, blackberries, blueberries, you know, loganberries, all these, all these types of cloud berries, is little berries um, are really useful um, in terms of their antioxidant value. They're very potent for um, for um, the health of this kidney adrenal gonads um, and ovaries area of the body. So go for, you know, your blueberries on your breakfast rather than fruits like in, in the West, bananas, um, oranges and um, grapes are grown for yeah. mm-hmm. They're not grown for their nutritional value. So, so, um, so go for these lovely blueberries. And I, I had a client come um, recently and he, he is, um, he's an, he's, for his age, um, he has he is actually his PSA. This is his in relation to his prostate. Um, the prostate is enlarged and his PSA levels are raised, but it's actually in line with his age, and that's okay. But the great thing that I heard, and I don't hear this often, is his consultant said to him, "Eat as many blue and black foods as you can." And what he means is, you know, go for the purple sprouting broccoli, go for the purple, you know, the cavolo nero, go for the blue and the black and the, and the dark red berries because they will nourish that area of your body. I thought it was brilliant. I was just like, hallelujah! Okay. Yeah, someone's actually um, said something that. Um, is in line nutritionally but what about supplements Caroline that you can take because the worrying thing that you said actually was that we don't get um enough of our minerals how can we yes great replenish that in a supplement um way yeah good question the the other thing just just one more thing if there's any Mm. men out there listening I'm just looking out the window there's the most beautiful rainbow Oh, how fabulous. Oh, oh that's very beautiful. The black sky. And, and I was like, and now I see the rainbow. Oh, I love seeing rainbows, don't you? How beautiful. Oh, they're one of my favorite things, actually, I have to say. Oh, magical. After we finish talking, I'm going to send you a picture of, it's taken from the window of, it's a place called Uig Lodge in the Hebrides. And it looks west from there. And I, whenever I stay there, I kind of, insist really on staying on the west side (laughs) because what happens in the morning is you just see the most incredible colors across the sands outside the window oh please send it to me later exactly next stop america after that you know you're just looking out onto the atlantic and one more there was this rainbow and it literally danced across the waves and i'm just like oh my god anyway beautiful rainbow one thing i was going to say for men beautiful is you know However bad you're feeling in a moment or whatever's going on in life, when you see a rainbow, for me, that's like, you know, like Noah's Ark type of thing. That's my sign from heaven. You know, it's going to be okay. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. So the other thing for men with prostate issues, if there's any any listening, um, that that this consultant recommended was to eat tomatoes. And there is, I believe it's an Italian study um, about about the number of tomatoes and possibly even the type of tomato that you should eat. (laughs) Um, Yeah, really interesting. Um, So, so yeah, so um, to come back to supplements. Yes. And I I like, I favour supplements over... Um, you know, and, and I, I favour superfoods over supplements because 
a lot of supplements on the market have an awful lot of fillers and binders in them, which we are finding if people have taken, a, and, they, and especially if they're sensitive, and they've taken a lot of supplements, um, their body is struggling with breaking down things like magnesium stearate, um, so it's good and bad magnesiums, um, and, and other fillers and binders and, and that, that hold it together. You know, So if you open a supplement and you are slightly repelled by the smell, um, you might want to check in with what some of the fillers and binders are. And my own story about that was my homeopath said at some point, go and get some chromium. So I got some chromium from Boots. I think it was a sort of three for two offer over the counter. I thought, oh, great, chromium. And for about two weeks, I was feeling nauseous in the morning. Now, I was still at a point in my life where I... I could have been pregnant. So I was like, Oh, I hope I'm not pregnant. It's a bit late in life. Um, and, um, <laughs> as you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Um, and, um, anyway, it sounds a bit gross, but I, I went into work early one morning, eight o'clock sat down and I, and I burped and I was like, Oh my goodness, it's the chromium tablets. And it was a coating on those these tablets. They looked like Smarties. I don't know what they were made out of, but it, mm-hmm. I couldn't digest what was holding the tablets together. And this is true of a lot of people. And a little tip, and it is something I'm going to say, it's certainly going on in the UK, is if you are on a medication, and I particularly see this with thyroxine, um, with HRT, um, you're on a regular medication and you've been fine on it for ages and ages and ages. And the doctor gives you a new brand and you are not fine. It will be not the dosage, but it will be the fillers and binders. So go back to your doctor and say, look, I'm, I'm really not getting on with this version of it. Can you get me the mm. one? And I'm finding people upset, you know, in, in um, all sorts of ways because their medication is being compounded. It's called being made in a different way or with different fillers and binders and it's no longer suiting them. So, so do you get that checked? Um, that's very good advice, actually, because yeah. when you have a look at the ingredients of things mm-hmm. and I, you know, you can take things for years yes. and all of a sudden I yes. can feel sick as an old rooster. Yes. And I think because I check all the labels because, you know, I've got so many allergies and I yes. think, well, what's that? And yes. I look and it's something completely different. You know, they've added, for example, sorbitol in it. Um, I just think, why do that? And then something that you've used for years, it just becomes an absolute no-no. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Um, I had a, and, and this can happen with natural brands as well. So it's always read the label. Oh, uh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, I had um, a um, a really nice skincare. It was an organic skincare. This is another tip, actually. That a lot of people don't know. Um, if a food is, this is in the UK, so you need to check if you're listening from somewhere else, but um, if a food is labelled organic, it is organic. If a beauty product or skincare product is labelled organic, it may not be totally organic. It can have as little as 1% organic ingredient and still be labelled organic. Not many people know that, but um, it's worth knowing. So if you want to go truly organic with your skincare, really ask the manufacturer for the details. Um, but if you, I just had used, was using um, a lovely cream, absolutely gorgeous um, face cream. And then the next pot, I just got a rash and I'm quite sensitive as well um, to, 
with skin stuff as I said I had this you know terrible rash from chemicals that probably other people didn't get yeah yeah you know and I just went back to them and said have you changed the ingredients and it was only something like they were they'd got some en- something enzymatic in it that just didn't suit me you know and I couldn't um couldn't use it anymore so you know we do need to listen to what our body's telling us oh absolutely and our body is it mm-hmm. runs you know better than a swiss clock it Doesn't absolutely it? <laughs> knows um what is wrong with it i mean i because i've got so many allergies and um you know how it is caroline even if you smell something the body reacts so i can mm-hmm. smell something and i will know that's not going to agree with me because mm-hmm. it makes you feel sick mm-hmm. there's something just you know and i think that's what we need to do more of, which is actually be more in tune with our bodies. Yes. Yeah. And, and listening, you know, and, it, and it, it's with, with just to come back to that question about, about supplements and superfoods. Yes. Yeah. As time goes on, I, I am more and more engaged in superfoods and I'm more and more engaged in, in finding out where those superfoods come from and, what they're made from so so one of the companies that i go to um for superfoods has and we're coming back to the grain here again mm-hmm. um, it's i could talk more about uh, glyphosate actually and i might do in a bit but we'll see um but um one of their grains is 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 or one of their products is wheatgrass now wheatgrass doesn't have the the grain in so it's not a gluten product um it's mm. That uh, it's the shoot of the grass, um, and but the seed that it's grown from is like an heirloom seed. It sort of came out of the Egyptian tombs or something. It's like a really old, old seed, and that spelt flour that you talked about is is mm. closer to the original grain, which had far more nutrition in it. So, so we would have eaten bread as a protein staple, and we don't eat bread like that now. Bread is much more of a carbohydrate for us. That means that it turns quickly into sugar so it's a quick fix food it fires up the sugar great we've got some energy um and bread and certainly your spelt bread would have been a much more nutritious um would have had more protein going on in it and more minerals going on in it now minerals are depleted from everything but but um something like grain has been grown to produce something else you know so our loaves that we have now are completely different which brings me on to another thing actually so magnesium is great get some magnesium into your life the epsom salts you can also get a little spray um which is a, a magnesium spray oil i've got that i've got great. that but Brilliant. do you know what i'm doing with it i don't even know if i'm supposed to be doing that i spray it into my mouth Ooh. Mm. It tastes very unusual, yes. I have to say. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying for people to do this. That's another thing I have to say. Mm-hmm. But um, it does actually make me feel better. That's amazing. I don't know enough about it to know if you can use it orally. Um, yeah. so, or, or you should be using it or how much mm. of it or et cetera. So, so it's really interesting and definitely something to explore. Um, if if someone wants to use magnesium orally um, and they really um, they don't have a bath and they find that that spray is a little tingly, so they, they do have eczema or something like that and they can't use that spray on their skin, mm. you shouldn't use it on a broken skin, um, then 
I will say go and get um, a, a, usually a powdered magnesium and you make up a lovely drink before bedtime and they're okay. They're not, they're not, they, they, you still might want to read the label, but um, a powder yeah. can be good before bedtime. But what, what that kind of conversation about the spelt brings me on to is um, eating fermented foods. So increasing fermented foods in our diet is all the rage. Um, it used to be for example because yeah there's so many things out there because i know you and i have had this conversation about gut health yes and i i am such a believer and i'm even more of a believer now of how it can really affect you yes and not having the correct bacteria in your gut can lead to all sorts of issues tell us a little bit about that caroline yeah, so so when I do um, talks and workshops, I, I often talk about the what I call the toxic timeline. So the twentieth into the twenty first century toxic timeline, and in the nineteen thirties, um, we invented fridges. So we didn't have to ferment food, we didn't have to can food, we didn't have to pickle food, we didn't have to sugar food or salt food in order to preserve it. Um, Mm -hmm. We hung it in the fridge and it would keep for a certain period of time and certain foods became more available to us, particularly after sort of well after the second world war but you know we had the diversity from the 1970s onwards in supermarkets an increasing diversity so we can grab whatever we want from wherever in the world pop it in the fridge and we don't have to think about fermented foods which are a way of preserving and extending the life of the foods that we have and they're also when we eat fermented foods that the what what is fermented becomes more bioavailable to us so to me it's the ultimate biohack um is fermented foods and to get back into fermented foods and to understand why we we've fallen out of out of this conversation with them and the other thing is if we're making if we're fermenting vegetables is we are again we are we're closer to the soil we are creating a conversation with the tiny you know microbes and and um etc in the soil that we need a relationship with because they help us develop a good gut flora many things help us develop a good gut flora the other thing that happened in the 1930s was we finally um, invented antibiotics prior to that we'd been using things like mercury and arsenic to suppress sexually transmitted diseases particularly that's the big bane of our life when it comes to um kind of history um Uh and um and you know Antibiotics don't really work very well with something like tuberculosis, for instance, which was very prevalent in the 19th century. Um, But um, antibiotics were invented in the 1930s and began to be used. And we didn't really realise at the time that it was great. They they killed bugs, but they also killed off the healthy flora inside of us. And what happens when the healthy flora gets killed off is is other types of flora if you can believe it, the studies on this are only just coming out some, you know, nearly a hundred years later, we're beginning to understand what we call the microbiome um, when we virtually eradicated it (laughs) through all sorts of methods. Um, But basically, you know, if someone has a long history of 
antibiotic use, they will need to rebuild their gut flora. And the gut flora are hugely diverse. We have thousands and thousands of different types of gut flora. They have different functions for us. And if you're feeling low and grumpy and moody, um, it might be that you don't produce enough serotonin, a kind of happy um, well-being um, brain chemical, and um, you might need to tweak your gut flora and then you, you have the precursors to producing this brain chemical. If you can't sleep at night and you don't have enough melatonin that helps you slip into deep sleep, um, it might be that you need to address your gut flora so that you have the right precursors to creating the melatonin. So, so the healthier the gut, the healthier the brain. And I can't stress that enough. So I encourage people to delve into things like kefir, kombucha. Um, there's water kefir and milk kefir. Yogurt is okay, but it's not enough. Um, go organic. Um, it doesn't have to be dairy. Things like um, apple cider vinegar, miso, and non-dairy. Um, even things like, you know, things that we know and love. Tea, coffee, wine, mm -hmm. beer chocolate are all made through a process of fermentation so we might want to go back to much better quality wine you know and go to a natural wine um, an organic beer you know if we're going to have these things in our life I'm not saying go out and cane beer in order to rebuild your gut floor yes. <laughs> all in balance you know all in balance um, but you know it goes back to fridges and antibiotics it also goes back to and I'm sorry I'm going to mention the dear man Freud who told us at the beginning of the 20th century to look at our navel um, and blame ourselves you know when actually a lot of our mental health is because we've eradicated the gut flora you know so our mental well-being isn't just getting out into nature but it's also nurturing you know from the inside you know we are what we eat um, is one thing. And another thing that I love is, if, I'll ask you if you've heard this term. Have you heard the term JERF? J-E-R-F. No, no. Um, What's that? Just eat real food. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's so cute. Yes. <laughs> that sounds like an imaginary friend, JERF. JERF. Can <laughs> we just catch the topic? Did you have one? Did you have an imaginary friend? Well, I might have done. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. You're exactly the sort of person. That's why I like you. I knew it. I knew it. Well, the thing is, I wanted, um, when I was really young, I, um, well, that's a whole other story about the unicorns, but oh. I, I, I mean, are you into unicorns? Yeah, like they're just trendy. You, you know. Well, like, I mean, you know, people say to me, well, you know, they don't exist. And and I'm like, what, what do you mean they don't exist? And, and it's like when I had these stories when I was younger and also stories that I have now with you, for example, it's like, well, of course they exist. And it's, <laughs> well, where, where do they live then? You know what people, um, when they start to question you about these things, and I said, well, I can't tell you that. And they said, well, that's because they don't exist. And I said, no, it's not because they don't exist because, you know, they'd become extinct if everyone knew where the unicorns live, you know, um, but it is that sort of wonderment, isn't it, Caroline, of nature, yeah. of things that are not everything, you know, is seen with the eyes. It's seen with the eyes of the heart. This is the thing. And I totally agree with you about this, um, 
gut thing, um, as I call it, the gut thing, because you know I was saying to you, I took some, I, I took some of those. Oh my goodness! I have to say to the listeners, so I'm one of these people who have taken probiotics, and I really actually do believe in them. And and there's something that I have found very useful and do find useful in my life, but you know how it is in life. You try different things. And I tried a particular brand of a certain type of probiotic. And I have to say to you, it was actually, Caroline, it did affect me mentally because I thought, what's going on here? I feel really rough like an old goat. I really did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, my back hurts more now. Everything. And I remember you saying to me, you know, that a lot of people with backache need a healthy sort of, you know, gut floor and all of this. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my God, everything that she said is coming true. And I had to live through it. But I totally believe in this, that it's like called the second brain, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, probably it should be called the first brain. I mean. oh. <laughs> It's really yeah. important as, as we enter the world, the microbiome is important to us. It's part of our birth process, mm. you know. Oh, yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? But, but anyway, Jerv, Jerv, did you forget yeah, that for a moment? Hold that thought. Did you have an imaginary friend? Well, yeah, so, so, so did you, were the, was there a unicorn? Is that what you... Yeah, basically there was a unicorn, yes. Yeah, so I, yes, I did. I had two and they were called... They were called Booby and Redda. And I... <laughs> what were they? They, were un- they lived under the table. And then okay. um, they were under the ironing board when my mum was ironing. And I remember walking down the road. This must have been before my sister arrived. So I think pre-23 months. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, <laughs> I remember walking down the road. <laughs> With my mum's hand up there, I'm lifting my arm up, and, and, and my other hand down there, holding on to Booby and Redder's hands. And Booby... What were they? Booby was black and white and kind of a bit like a penguin, and he was, he was a bit more serious. And then Redder was, was, was red, and he was like, um, you know, like those huge big tyres at the back of a tractor? Um, the tractor has big tires at the back oh like um like a spare type of thing going on the big big tires at the back are kind of they've got they're kind of like a lion's mane they've got this so he had he was sort of like a lion but sort of like a a rubbery tire off a tractor anyway (laughs) um, that's an interesting look he was the comedy character and and they just were around and did they speak to you Oh yeah, yeah. And if I think I think um they took the blame if um I got told off for anything. It was it wasn't my fault, it was Booby and Redder. <laughs> That's very handy actually then, um, to have imaginary friends. Yeah. But and you know <clears throat> they actually they exist, you know that, don't you? They totally existed for me. They mm. were mm. as real as anything else, you know. And I think we we lose that capacity. There's a bit a bit um yeah the non-rational we need a bit more of the non-rational and I don't mean the irrational like we're living in at the moment but I think Mm. we and also um you know meditation and going into those spaces is very interesting because I think 
with with again immersing in nature and in and in bird watching i i have experiences with where time is definitely non-linear um and and actually in writing i just come back to to writing the book you know as part of the pre-order campaign i've had the most incredible conversations with people and i've realized at, at many points in writing that actually the seeds for this were being sown a long time ago that there's you sort of come full circle and that actually what's happening now was really happening already you know and it, it's it's really quite incredible um that the connectedness that's coming through and i and i had a whole week where where lots of people just just said oh so great you know love that's great you're writing bird is the word um I have this special relationship with robins and everyone was talking about robins, you know, and then another week, everyone was talking about, um, uh, well, swans came up because everybody's been on swan watch on Hampstead Heath. Um, we've actually had a pair of swans that have had seven babies and kept, it's the most incredible story. Um, and oh, I love swans. Oh, oh, you, you. Well, one day you must come and see the swans. They are yes. Be lovely to see swans together. Oh, that would be nice. They, mm. they are. Um, they're in love for life, aren't they, swans? Really, I think so. Isn't it? That's how the whole thing came about. I might have got this totally wrong, but I think this is how because they sing only when they die isn't it i think they yes i think they they have i was gosh there's a few birds that have a partner for life uh, uh crows are another bird that has, really they, yeah crows are very interesting very under that was the uh, that was another week another week when i had all these crow stories that came through from clients and i'd just been reading um you put me on to, um, first of all, I must thank you for that. And I need to send you a, a photo because I don't know if I did. What's that then? Conference of the Birds. Did you read it? Uh, well, I'm reading it. After we last went, oh. we last, I went out and bought the Conference of the Birds. Mm-hmm. And um, and I must send you a photo of me reading it. <laughs> oh, please do, please do. Yeah. It's an amazing book, isn't it? Oh, it's really interesting. And I yeah. love it that the hoopoe is the king of the birds because it's yes have you ever looked yes. at a picture of a hoopoe do you know what they look like well they are legendary in some instances aren't they they're a real bird though they're a real bird they they are i'll tell you for me for the whole of my life they were legendary they were at the back of my english bird books and there was there would be this picture of the hoopoe and he has yes his, with his fantastic crown, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, and his crown. And I was like, what would I give to see one of those? And then one day I was on my friend's got land in Spain. My dear friend Annie has got land in Spain. And I would wander out of the back of the house on her back doorstep there. You stand there and you cannot see another single habitated dwelling. It's really amazing. So I would go out the back door, down the slope with my binoculars, and I'd walk along the valley now the the river is very small in the summer and there was a broken pipe from I don't know where but it was it, it and I could see some birds in in the in the uh, water and then and then I just suddenly froze I was like 
oh my god there is a hoopoe I've actually I'm actually looking at hoopoe and I was so excited you know because I'd seen this book it was legendary it was legendary it was in the back of the bird book you know and uh-huh. I, I despaired of ever seeing one because you know where, where would I find one you know sort of thing um but no they do exist they're lovely and in the book the hoopoe is the king of the birds and he yeah. he asks all the birds you know you told me this he asks all the birds to say it's actually a good book in a way for now. The the um, it is called the Conference of the Birds, and it is by Farid Uddin Attar, and it's a classic mm. book. And he is asking each of the birds what their anxiety is in life about not reaching their sort of spiritual home. Um, their spiritual goal, their enlightenment, what is their anxiety, basically. And each of them replies um, with something. And they say, oh, Hupo, I, I think I won't make the journey because I love my home too much and I don't want to leave it and I'm a bit nervous. And then he replies with a beautiful poem. It's amazing, really. It is, it is. It, it's um, the real something story. that it, it, it is so clever and it was written such a long time ago but the actual wisdom behind it is absolutely beautiful and it was actually the Samore that I was thinking of that um is legendary you know like the phoenix yeah. as well legendary one yeah and they yes. on the journey to find him and yes Lupo, the king of the birds is their guide and um yeah, it's a beautiful book. But I, I, when I was in the bookshop, I uh-huh. I picked up that, and then I um, I picked up a couple of other books. And one is Ted Hughes' Crow, and the other one is is called Grief is the Thing with Feathers by somebody called uh, Max Porter, and it's a short book, and um, it's a very dramatic story about a crow and Ted Hughes and then you read Ted Hughes's crow poems and they're really quite dark and then I just had this whole week of people talking to me about crows and I love the corvids the crow family things like jays um and um crows and magpies and um jackdaws very very clever birds um and um they 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 a lot of those mate for life um and um and ravens, ravens are in that group as well. So, so yeah, really, really um, fascinating being in that process and seeing time as non-linear and things like, you know, like the imaginary friends. I was like, you know, if I, if, as an adult, <laughs> we just well, talking about Why is it? Again, well, yes, I mean, Caroline, if you think about it in the olden days, as I would say, but in times gone by, people used to share these stories of the birds and were in touch with nature and they looked at signs and symbols. For example, if a crow appeared, if this bird appeared, it meant this. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go back in time, and even some um, cultures now follow this, really. Yes. And we've lost that somehow in the Western world. And, and I think that's what's needed is to go back to that somehow. Yes, so there's the symbolism yes. that we associate with, with certain birds and creatures. And then mm. there's the messages that birds in particular bring us because they, they tell us what's coming. You know, so birds, birds tell us about the, 
you know, winter that's coming, the summers that's coming, they tell us, oh, it's that time of year when you need to sow that seed because yeah. So the other day, me and my friend um Angie, um, we Angie, Angie Klein and I do yoga retreats together. Mm-hmm. And um she's got into bird watching as well in 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 um in the lockdown. And so we went on a walk together early one morning and we we came up Parliament Hill um, on Hampstead Heath. And there were all these blokes with binoculars on the top of the hill. And I was like, because I'm not really that kind of bird watcher. I I immerse in nature because I feel good when I come away. I Mm. feel like it is part of it going, oh, I saw I saw 21 different birds today. Definitely that's part of it. But I'm not Mm. like I've got. it's it's a funny thing it's a different relationship there's different types of bird watchers like there is with anything and I'm not Mm. sort of very male I think in the main but to be a bit of a peak bagger and I've you know got to get up there so these blokes I'm standing on top of the heath you know with their binoculars trained on the sky kind of doing something dynamic and I was like oh you know and the classic thing which I always feel a bit nervous as a woman about going up and saying is you sort of say what's occurring what's occurring what's going on you know what's happening and Anyway, what was happening was that, because they started to talk about it, was that the red wings were arriving. And these are a lovely bird that looks like our thrush, but has a little red flash in the wing. Mm-hmm. And they come from Northern Europe um, to winter here. So when they arrive, you know it's time to get your scarves out and your hats and your gloves. <laughs> yes, yes. Because they only arrive when that when that cooler weather is coming from the Northeast, you know. So, um, yeah, there's a lot that we can learn. And I believe that some of our hypervigilance and, 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 and our over-anxious state and our looking into the future um, is, you know, if we are those people in society, we are like that, we are wired like that to look out for the rest of us. Um, and that we're the gatekeepers, if you like. It's true, we are. And where we've lost our way, Mm -hmm. I believe this for sure, is that we are not living in synergy with all the different beings that are on this planet. Um, Seen and unseen, I have to say, whether it be animals or angels or whatever whatever you want, you know, uh, to be part of in this great tapestry of life. I think if we we're more in tune with ourselves mm-hmm. we could be more in tune with everything and this fear would actually melt away mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I i i think um for me it really grounds and calms me to kind of it sort of puts my mind in order to be to 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 see that sequence of 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 birds you know to to know that someone's done some gorilla planting near me and um, and they've planted a lemon verbena you know and just walking past that and running running my hands over the leaves and going oh mm. you know it's just it, ritual is important um it has a place it's just i think we might have said this before it's just when we become over over ritualized you know over over um pedantic about the detail that can also be mental unwellness, you know. Yeah, it's true because that's where this whole thing of control mm-hmm. uh, occurs, and you know, people want to control. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, at, well, this is a strange thing I've actually just thought of now, but everywhere around, it feels that 
everyone wants to control us. Mm-hmm. And yet we can't even control ourselves. Mm. Yes, I mean, that's um, gaining back control is is a long journey. I mean, it's it might, you know, it might be um, working on boundaries, you know, working, mm-hmm. being able to say yes or no to, to situations and people in our lives to say that in a way that is comfortable for us. And I love doing some exercises around that in, in workshops, actually. And we kind of, we work with what we would like to have in our lives. And then we look at what we are prepared, prepared to negotiate on in order to have that in our life. And that can really help when you've got tricky customers in your life and you, someone is in your face and you, you, you talk about what would I like? You know, I'd like happiness. I'd like kindness. I'd like, um, some breathing space I'd like laughter with that person those are the things I would love with that person mm. um, and so how do I negotiate to just get that with that person and not to get all the trappings of everything else you know you and I were were, were talking a little bit about that earlier on actually um, the topic of conversation you know and you might have a very very dear friend who always talks about something which you realize they just come back to and you're just a sounding board for them to say yes and it and it's about creating an opportunity i had very good friend actually um and she was going through a difficult time you know and um and i thought i i can't sit here and be therapist to you this isn't serving me and it isn't serving you either Mm. so i i for a whole year I would say, let's go out and do something nice together. And our relationship has totally changed. I never said to her, I'm not going to listen to you, but we went out and had an experience together and and a different depth of our friendship and conversation grew from that experiential time that we had. And, and it would be, you know, it wouldn't be anything dramatic. We didn't have to do anything phantasmagorical, but we would just go out and do something together and take pleasure in going to an exhibition or, or, or um, instead of being in that or we'll have a meal together situation where I just sort of have to listen and it just didn't feel right for me or her. So I don't think she went away with anything better. But then after that, that period of time of experiential um, space and time together totally changed. I really, really value her friendship and and um and I'm glad I persevered you know <laughs> well I think that's a good ending to a story mm. in a way or a beginning as they say mm. because a lot of people don't want to change and this is the important is that you and your friend at least there has been a positive Absolutely. growth in the relationship but I know a lot of people and as I had a friend also and all that she wanted to do was to sit at home. She didn't want to go anywhere. She just wanted to sit at home and for me to listen to her stories. And when I would suggest and say, we knew each other for, for a very long time, actually, since we were children. And I would say to her, well, why don't we do this? Or I don't know, let's go for a walk. Let's do something different. Let's do that. And she would consistently, Caroline, say, I don't want to. I don't want to. And I suddenly felt... I felt a loyalty because I'd known her for Mm. so long. Mm. But at the same time, I thought, actually, you are crushing my spirit Mm. because I want to do that. And we could do things together. 
if you wanted to, you know, we could find something that we both enjoyed, but consistently she said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you know, I heard this voice in my heart and it was very difficult that said, you must respect yourself enough yeah. to walk away because Absolutely. if you don't, she will crush your spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have to give people the chance and the benefit of the doubt. I absolutely believe that. But I think once you have done that, if you don't give that space to your own spirit, I don't think, as you said earlier, it doesn't serve either of you. No, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think think we, we are very good, you know, and I've certainly done it at times in my life um, with you say putting up with something, but ignoring what's really going on um, yes. and not, not growing into mm. who we're meant to be in life, you know, who, who, we, who, we're, who we feel most comfortable being. It takes time, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It's, it's that eternal journey, Caroline. And I think what we do a lot as human beings, me for sure, I don't know about you, but I put up with a lot for far too long. and that is really disrespecting our soul it is it is and that's where you know the boundary work can be really valuable (laughs) coming back to that you know coming back to that little drawing those notes um exploring that I mean it just I find that so interesting I you know it's a big part of something I did and 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 forgive me if I, we talked about this before, was um, creative journal writing workshop. Yes, yeah. Good. That, you know, so, so freeing up that, that part of you, that allowing, giving yourself permission, you know, these are the things that I think, you know, we, we are growing into as well, is permission, permission to be who we're meant to be and allowing ourselves um, time, space freedom you know to to explore who we're meant to be in the world i think there's so much of so much of who oh, i couldn't do that because of so and so or because you know yeah. you know so the shouldn't couldn't wouldn't conversations um shoulda coulda woulda you know? oh yeah Yes. Have, have, yes, yes, I, that's a good saying, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, it training ourselves, you know, and it is, it is training. It is, it is a muscle. It is like going down the gym. You know, it's something that we, it's brain gym, isn't it? <laughs> Which is important as well. And you know, one thing that really helped me, have yeah. you heard of this? It's like a movement and it's called Say Yes More. Um, I have, I have heard it, um, definitely. And I think, um, yeah, as long as we're, we're clear about what we're saying. Yes, of course, of course. (laughs) I mean, like, I think we're too scared sometimes and we hesitate and yes, we have to be cautious in, you know, of course, you know, there's common sense, but I think fear again shouldn't hold us back from having new experiences. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's a constant mantra to me to mm. say yes to play more in my life um, at this stage in my life because, you know, I work hard and I, you know, and enjoy what I do. 
um, but it's a constant reminder to play and just relax. And my and we wanted to something I wanted to talk about just because we brought it up was cats. My son. Has, oh yes. Oh, don't. Do you know what? I'm I, I'm in love with cats all my life. So cute. Oh. And just that time to play with a young creature and just it, yeah, it's just. Crazy. What is your favorite? What's your favorite breed of cat? Yeah. Do you know, I don't know enough about them, but one of my um, clients said to me yesterday, um, she said, oh, I've never sent you a photo of my boys. I said, no, you haven't. I'd love to see a photo. Anyway, so she sent me a photo and they are just, they've got this fantastic frown. Um, I was like, oh, I, I want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> are they the flat-nosed cats? No, they look, she, she said to me, because I live in a first floor flat, she said to me, um, uh, don't, or, or be careful with British short hairs because they like to be, they like to be outdoors. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a good conversation. If I was to get a cat, you know, it's, it must find out which ones you know, really like to be outdoors because a cat, after all, is meant to be outdoors. But I think if I if I had a cat at this point in my life, it would be a sort of gnarly old one from the Cat Protection League who who um, just wants a nice home to come to because he's old. <laughs> oh, oh, that would be so lovely if you got a cat. Yeah, I'm just... totally. Have you seen those big? Um... What are those big? Are, they, cats? are you thinking of a Maine Coon? Like, yes. Oh my goodness! I have a friend who has one of those. And are they that big? They in are enormous, and they've got the most bewitching eyes. They're amazing, and they do this thing. Apparently, they all do it. So Maine is very cold. Um, cold. It gets cold in the winter. Mm -hmm. they all. And I'd love to know if this is true. So people are right in and say, no, it's not true. <laughs> but apparently my friend told me, told me dig into them. She said they all pat the water before they drink it to see if it's frozen or not. No, don't. That is just the most cutest thing. Oh my God. Have you seen them? Have you seen those well-known ones that are black and they look completely majestic? Hmm. I you have to look at a black mancoon. Is it a Maine Coon or a mancoon? I thought they were always great. I really don't know enough about them. I have would. a look. You would love it. They just look yeah. like they're from Narnia or somewhere. Yes. Yeah, I've got, there's these really great, we're talking about cats. Um, again, I'll have to find the picture for you. There's some kind of Nordic forest cat. Oh, yes. I love them. Oh, Aren't they amazing? Is it the Norwegian forest cat? Is that what it is? I think so, yeah. They, they, oh, my God. They, they don't even look real. No, now we're back to magical creatures. They are, they're not of this world, honestly. They're not, are they? <laughs> no. No, there's something about cats, isn't there, that's, I mean, me and my friend are always talking about cats because <laughs> whatever we want to cheer ourselves up, so anyway, do you remember that cat when we were at such and such? And, I can't, and it just gets you in a good mood, doesn't it? You know what? We've got, actually got a cat cafe around the corner from where I live. A cat cafe? What's that? You can go to the cafe and um, have a cup of tea and stroke cats. You are joking. No. <laughs> where is the cat cafe? You must tell the people of the world. Where is the cat cafe? It started in Japan. I, I'm fairly sure when oh I was in Japan, goodness. 
up cafes. So, so yeah, look it up and find your local cat cafe. And if there isn't one, start one, I'd say. <laughs> oh, a cat. And whose cats are they? They belong to the people who run the cafe. <laughs> my goodness I don't know what's happened in lockdown I hope they're all still all right um but yes oh. so the cat cafe is rather cute um I'll just um I'll just uh, tell this story so I was writing a little article for um uh, soak and sleep who are a, a bed linen company I buy from them oh, do you yes I do I have got do you know what <laughs> go on I told you you are an oracle. I um I have their pillows, and it's mm-hmm. the bigger pillows. Are they called Oxford pillows? Yeah, an Oxford pillowcase is the pillowcase with the little flange around the edge. Yes, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. and it's double. It's sort of double the size of a normal pillow. Yeah, is that an Oxford? Bigger. They look much bigger. Yeah, yeah. They're ab- so can sleep. They are brilliant. They are brilliant, aren't they? Yes. Uh, I tell you what, I so the book The New Hot that's just out is is by Meg Matthews. Tell us about that. Tell yeah. us about this new book. Well, just do quickly before I say about that. So somebody Meg put, put the person, one of the people who works um will runs um so can sleep onto me. And mm-hmm. she, she said, Would I write this um this uh uh, article on on sleeping? So so for their sort of expert rights on their website kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I wrote about sleeping and I was listening to, oh, I'm going to have to um, think of his name. He's called, anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful piece of music, which is designed to send you to sleep. And the guy I think is called, his German name is Max Gechter or Gechter. It's something like that. Beautiful piece of sleep music. Anyway, so I was writing this article and I was at a friend's house at the time. She's got two cats. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was sitting at the desk and working, the cat would hop up onto the table and walk around every hour, would walk around in front of my computer just to check, you know, say, look, you need a screen break, love. So I'd sort of stroke her and then I'd maybe get, you know, stretch my legs. And, um, Anyway, so I was writing this article and um, I was playing this music and she just came up and lay down in front of me and just fell asleep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> music works for the cats. It's going into the article. <laughs> oh, well, you have to send me the article. I will. I will. It's not a huge article, but it's just got useful tips for sleep. Um, I was a sort of menopause um you know, sleep. So, so in, and in Meg's book, um, so, so um, Meg's book is called The New Hot Taking on the Menopause with Attitude and Style. And it is fantastic. She talks to, to women about their real life experiences. She talks to some of her friends. Um, She talks to lots of the menopause, top menopause doctors, um, health practitioners like myself, sports, um, sports practitioners, etc. And so, and you've written two chapters, Caroline. And one of the chapters is on sleep. Is on is on. Ah. I hate this word actually, but people are starting to use the term sleep hygiene. I'm like, like, I've never heard of that. What's that? Well, I don't know. It's like you've got a kind of non-hygienic sleep state as well. <laughs> I just find it a bit of a weird oh, no. one. But it's the new term for, you know, how's your sleep hygiene means, you know, 
Are you switching off your Wi-Fi? Are you, have you got cool cotton sheets? Are you, you know, maybe if you're hot menopausal woman having a nice cool shower before you get into bed or whatever, you know, what's your sleep routine like really is the word we should be using. But anyway, mm-hmm. so, um, so I've written a bit in the book on that and I've written a chapter in the book on managing menopause naturally, which is my thing really. I work a lot with women and hormonal health and, um, and just before, so, we, so I mentioned fermented foods, magnesium, and the other thing that I would mention for, for hormonal health for women, and I call these my holy trinity, is um, essential fatty acids. Women need far more fats and oils. For example, give us an example. For people that can't take, for example, um, fish oils that are vegans, yeah. what is the alternative to that yeah there's some really great cold pressed um plant oils so things like oil of evening primrose borage oil or a blend of those types of oil hemp seed oil um black currant seed oil. there's so many so many um plants that we use the cold pressed seeds for um to make an oil combination so there's some there's some good brands around um, but most women need more fats because they, they make they help us make hormones. So fats, magnesium and fermented foods, that's what I call the holy trinity. And um, in this book, I'm talking about managing menopause naturally, as I say, which is my thing. But really, it, it's, more, it's balancing hormones is what we need to talk about. And um, and that goes to some extent for men, as I've shared, you know, prostate is, is yes. are a hormonal imbalance. Um it's actually not enough testosterone in men and testosterone levels are, are dropping this. We've got such terrible fertility issues, you know, um, and that's both men and women, but testosterone levels are, and I haven't got the stats right next to me, but they mm-hmm. are so much reduced since the 1950s. So what we consider to be a healthy man when it comes to making babies, um, the levels are totally different to what they were in the 50s. And unfortunately, um, I, I do believe um, that this issue with the, the COVID, where the zinc, we're very, we get fish, we get symptoms, the loss of sense of taste and smell, um, or distortions of smell that I, I see in my clients um, with, with the COVID. Um, it shows us that we are very deficient in zinc. And um, that this this disease, um, this virus, uh, zaps our zinc levels, and um, and and that's interesting. That's very interesting. I've been talking about it since March, actually. But basically, um, basically, the the highest location for zinc in in the human system is in a man's testes. So if the zinc is that low and it drops even lower. Um, I am concerned for our fertility rates post COVID. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised. That, that's actually a prediction of mine that, you know, th- this could be a big issue for us. It's already an issue. Mm, mm. And again, I, I come back to some incredible superfoods that we can use um, that help increase um, testosterone, for instance, in that situation, but help balance our hormones in other situations where we may be overactive, overfunctioning, um, or underfunctioning. You know, we can, and I strongly believe, and I say this, you know, a lot that we can, we can build on a weak constitution and we can restore a broken constitution given the right ingredients, you know, um, that is very hopeful, Caroline, because mm -hmm. sometimes it's really important for people to hear that. 
mm. myself yeah. included, yeah. because people sometimes think they're far too broken to ever be mended. Yes, yes, and 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 it can feel like that, you know. Can't, mm. You know, I think I think I've certainly experienced times in my life when, you know, I've I've felt broken, um, yeah. and I've been extremely grateful for the people and the situations and the therapies that have got me out of that broken space. You know, yeah, um, yeah. and it's incredible what we will put up with as humans and there's a big conversation about that at the moment you know is, is what are we putting up with and what are we being asked to do and is it against our will and when things happen against our will guess what organs they affect the kidneys the adrenals the ovaries and the gonads you know so so this is another aspect of of oh that's interesting <laughs> isn't it it is it is and it, because it works on so many levels yeah, and if those organs are depleted enough, then we we will start to borrow from the bones. You know, so the end game of fear and anxiety is mm. is weakened bones, you know, which is crazy. So, you know, I've given some good keys to how you can how you can restore the system, you know, fast. Excellent, excellent. Fast. You know, I've been making notes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am, because and then do you we know what? Do you know what, Caroline? Mm. I would love you to do another book and put all of this in a book. It would be so useful in this time. Yes, it would. This is true. <laughs> you know, I know you've got your book, which is coming out early next year. Yes. Um, yeah. Bird is the word, isn't it? Yeah. And there will, mm. there are health aspects of that. I mean, there are, there are bits in, in that where I talk about, you know, because the birds themselves are really interesting. I mean, birds, the, 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 the way that birds eat, the way that the, the, the whole kind of that conversation is amazing, really interesting. Birds change their diet according to what they're about to do. You know, we could learn a lot from that. That's, that's amazing, really, because look at the trust that the birds have. I think we spoke about this before, but look at the trust that they have. They're not worried about their sustenance. Mm. They have this faith that it's going to be there, and it is there. Yes, yeah. That's and, the thing. And they do have, they do have um, also this, you know, it's, it's good to look at adaptation, you know, and to mm. see the birds that, that have adapted. I mean, adaptation is such a huge subject. You know, the mammoths didn't survive the last ice age because they they couldn't adapt to you know from yeah. their diet um, that they were eating. You know, so so um, yeah, it's fascinating. It is, and you know, they do say, don't they? Those that adapt mm. survive. Yeah, adaptation is key. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Thank you, Caroline. This so is so fascinating. I was, you know, it's difficult because I was taking notes as you were talking. Um, absolutely fascinating lady you are and amazing, amazing fountain of knowledge and what you do is so wonderful for people. And I can honestly say I am honoured to know you. <laughs> oh thank you so much I really I really well and I really enjoy talking to you and I really appreciate being asked to come um and and talk you know and just share something that hopefully is useful for people oh definitely I know that you know I'm going to see now um when I put the next episode out 
um, what the response is, because this has been an absolutely fascinating episode with so much knowledge that is so key for people out there. It is. And I, you know, we've, we've talked about magic. I mean, I see the homeopathy and flower essences as, as the magic, as the icing on the cake. Um, but we need to address these, these underlying issues, I think, for an awful lot of people. And that's, and that's mostly what I've talked about today is how to do some things which are restorative for us. Um, and, you know, and we've touched into that, that kind of aspect of, of other things that we do, you know, that, that make the big transformation for us on, a, on a, an emotional and spiritual level. And we've got to start somewhere. This is the point. You know, people become overwhelmed. And I know all of us can become overwhelmed. And we say, well, there's so much to do. And I don't know if I can do it. But what's the important thing is start small. Mm. At least start in a small way and then build from that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you can um, skin brush every day and then follow with that hot, then cold shower fantastic and then slowly build build up you know um and add in things and it's definitely you know rome isn't built in a day i always say that to people small changes made over a long period of time have a far greater impact yes um, yeah doing everything all in one go and then abandoning it all next week <laughs> well this is not this is not the issue it's about discipline and consistency i think and it doesn't matter even if you walk three steps a day but keep walking is yes. the point yes definitely definitely and not to look out there at all the doom and gloom because actually there is so much beauty and we forget that we ourselves are such a beautiful creation yes 100 percent. i mean i one of the things you know lockdown is a very strange kind of space in lots of ways but i have so appreciated sitting in one space and watching the changing seasons from here and I've yes. always said I've always said I would like to do that but as a kind of fast thinking you know fast moving Gemini it's quite difficult for me to do that and and lockdown created that situation where my work was at this desk and I look out and I I'm you know I've, I've literally this is the first year ever in all the years I've lived here when I have watched the Virginia creeper move from you know being green in the summer slowly yeah. going red you know and I, and I see it changes every day and that would not normally happen you know so so this it's really important to look at the silver linings <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely and to keep believing mm. in the wonderful mm. definitely because the only thing that can overcome the darkness is the light Yes. And we are the light. And really, we are the light. And that's important to be reminded of on a daily basis. I think we, we need to remind ourselves of that. Thank you so much for coming on, Caroline, really. Um, you are welcome anytime. <laughs> anytime, anytime. And, you know, keep inspiring the people and keep helping the people because really you are out there um, as a light to many. Thank you. That's so lovely. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here with you. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. And from unicorns to your other imaginary friends, I think um, there's a lot to be said about still there's so much magic in this world. Definitely.
Definitely. Thank you so much, Caroline. And please do come again. Look after yourself. You too. too. All right then. Bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. Caroline Gaskin. Always an absolute pleasure to hear such valuable advice, really, that is so much needed in this world right now. And especially for us who are looking for ways to improve mind, body and spirit. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you in the next episode. Until next time, take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk.